This coverage of Legal Week brought to you by Legal Talk Network, with many great podcasts to make your next commute or workout informative and educational. To improve your practice and stay in the know, visit us at LegalTalkNetwork.com. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to On the Road with Legal Talk Network. I'm Ralph Baxter and it's my pleasure to host this episode. We're here at Legal Week 2020 in New York City and we're going to talk to four people who conducted a panel on the big four ALSPs and the restructuring of law firms. We have Gina Passarella, who is editor-in-chief of the American Lawyer magazine, Carl Kong, who is SVP of product at Axiom, Nick Brew at EY, where he is lead knowledge analyst for legal and tax, and Luis Guerra, who is global leader of Deloitte Legal. So thank you all for joining us. I hear this was a great panel. I wasn't able to attend myself. I I heard it was great. I heard you had standing room only. Uh, And so let's start with Gina, who moderated the panel, uh, and ask her to tell us some of the highlights of the panel. Thanks, Ralph. So really, the the purpose of this panel was to understand what's happening outside of your traditional law firm model and understand the strategy and the opportunities that are available to law companies, the big four, and, and how law firms are trying to match that capability. And I was really struck by the theme of collaboration across this group. And I don't think that they were just being polite because they were sitting next to one another. I think that there's a real interest and effort afoot to have law companies, the big four law firms, other tech companies really work together to solve client problems. And the other theme for me that I thought was really interesting was just like law firms are trying to figure out how they can best compete in this market, so too are law companies and your non-traditional providers. They are making acquisitions, doing spin-offs, partnering with different people, really trying to figure out the answer to that Rubik's Cube of how do we get clients the services and the solutions that they need. So the collaboration that was discussed was collaboration with the traditional providers or collaboration internally within, within these individual companies? All of the above, really. It could be a law firm with the big four, uh, you know, Axiom working with a law department. It, it, it really, it's three companies joining together in one. Really, the, the sky's the limit. So let's turn to Carl. Carl, how about sharing with us some of the, some of the points that you made during this panel uh, as the Axiom representative? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that there's a couple of things that we really wanted to make sure that we focused on. One is how do we make it very specific for people? I think that one of the things that we talked about early on is that historically there, stigma is probably too strong a word, but there's probably a perception that, well, working with a law company or working with a big four, working with kind of a non-traditional firm is something that only some firms do, but maybe not ours. And so a lot of what we talked about was, well, how to make that real for you? So in Axiom's case, and I think some of my colleagues over here should also should also speak a little bit about their experience. But in Axiom's case, we had about 3,000 engagements last year across 1,000 different legal departments in seven countries. We work with about half the Fortune 100 and a third of the Fortune 500. And so talking through real 
actual client examples where we're partnering with law firms to help global investment banks respond to LIBOR or working with an offshore legal process outsourcer to help a global retail company uh, kind of improve their commercial contracts organization. But these are real client solutions that are increasingly widespread uh, and on demand in the market. And I think helping bring that to light for people uh, was a real kind of highlight for me. So when you partner with law firms to work on behalf of a, a shared corporate client, whose idea is that? Is the, is it the corporate client that decides that's going to happen, or is it you, or is it the law firm? You know, it's a, it's a great question, and it really just depends on the circumstance. There have been situations where, in the case that I gave earlier, the global investment bank went to the law firm and said, you know, we would like for you, Amlaw 20 firm, to take the lead on this LIBOR response, um, LIBOR being uh, having to do with benchmark reform and uh, requiring a whole lot of contract renegotiation and data extraction. And in that particular case, they said, we want you to take the lead, but we don't want you to do all the work. Here's three law companies that we'd like for you to work with. You can choose from among them. The only thing that we care about is that you get the work done in a high quality way within a certain cost model at the end and go figure it out. And so the law firm in that case came to us, but it was ultimately the client's idea. There have been other situations where we've gone to market together with a law firm and said, we think that we have a better mousetrap against, you know, one case to the other, whether that be a privacy regulation or an M&A deal, and let's, um, let's bring that concept to a client to help them better. So what do you think it is? I don't, well, what is it? You know what it is. What is it that causes a corporate client, in the example you just gave, in which the client says to the outside law firm, you do this part, but I want the rest of it done by one of these three uh, alternative providers. What is it about the alternative providers that makes them preferable to the law firm? Well, I think at the end of the day, the client's really trying to achieve a certain outcome, whether that outcome be a set of costs that they're trying to hit, some kind of budget, budget that they're trying to hit, whether it be some kind of transparency in terms of how the work is being done, in terms of the way that technology or data is being used to actually measure, assign, track the work, or whether that be kind of relying on project management experience in order to be able to get a certain body of work done within a certain, within a certain amount of time. And those are skills that some law firms have built in-house themselves. And in some cases, those are, those are capabilities that the big four law companies like Axiom can also bring to the table, as well as, of course, that the talent actually do and lead the work. And so it's kind of that combination of capabilities. I don't think it's, about, it's necessarily about, you know, these are the capabilities that are really attractive to me, and I want you to get those capabilities. I think this is the outcome that I want to achieve. And I want you, law firm, or you, law company, or whoever, to bring together and propose a solution to me that helps me achieve the outcomes that I have, the kind of the business outcomes that I'm trying to reach. But in this, in this hypothetical, I don't want to spend our entire on the road on this, but in this hypothetical or real example, the outcome is getting the job done in a certain way. The out, there's an outcome that gets the assignment completed, but the outcome you're talking about is get it done with the cost parameters, the transparency, the project management, that the client didn't think the law firm would be able to deliver. Right, that's right. Which is a crystal clear example of what's happening in the world of legal service today that creates opportunities for others than just the traditional law firms and, and creates opportunities for the law firms to learn how to be equally cost-effective, transparent, and project management. Nick, what did you share with the audience today? Well, before I touch on that, I just wanted to comment on what was just said. I actually think a lot of clients sort of come to the legal ops or legal managed services or sort of new approach to law 
they come to the party in a sense for the cost side, right? They want to save some money. They they've sort of heard this new approach can save some money. But I think a lot of them, once they get to the party, I think a lot of them start to see that the process management helps also reduce risk. It helps them focus on other things. It helps a lot of other outcomes. I will tell you, I've seen law departments tell me this. I've seen it actually play out. I think we're also starting to see some data come out on the legal market where we're starting to see the law departments that have actually started to outsource most, that have started to use third parties for services that they used to either do in-house or used to send to law firms are starting to show that, that they are able to focus on the things they really want to focus on. So I, I do think there's sort of multiple sides of this, and it depends on where the law department is on the journey. As far as what I shared today, I, you know, I think it probably touches on what Carl just said. I think the market has evolved a lot over the last 10 years. I think you've kind of seen that evolution even at EY, right? You know, a, a year ago, we, we acquired Riverview Law. Six months ago, we acquired Pangea 3 from Thomson Reuters. Uh, we've invested a lot in, in legal advisory capabilities uh, in terms of actually hiring lawyers. We've invested in relationship managers, people to actually work with law departments. The capabilities of the big four and also law companies like Axiom, I think, have evolved to the point where we are a true solid option for law departments who are looking to do things slightly differently um, and that are looking for a different kind of solution that they were getting. So let's go back to the, the, your first point. So you're saying that not only can these alternatives be less expensive, they can be better. Yeah. I, I'm saying that I think that they can allow law departments, one, to free up resources. If they work with outsourcers, right, they work with a third party who can do large portions of work wholesale, it frees them up to do other things. We've seen this in other services. We know the data on outsourcing not in the legal market. It shows consistently that, yes, there are cost implications. Of course, that's part of the story. But there's also lots of other implications in terms of management being able to focus on the things they want to focus on, access to technology, access to data, all sorts of things that are net positives at the end of the day. And you say there's data to support the idea that this is a preferable alternative, not just a cheaper one? Yeah, so um, EY did a survey of 1,000 law departments last year. We asked those law departments how much they outsource. We asked them individual questions of, do you outsource this kind of service, that kind of service? Um, I think you'll see in the next couple months some thought leadership coming out from EY on this topic. And what you'll see in the data, again, on 1,000 law departments, is that the law departments who outsourced most aggressively, who were early adopters, who really started on this journey slightly earlier, they're starting to see some solid benefits. And those benefits are about efficiency. Of course, they're about efficiency. They're also about their ability to increase efficiency going forward. But there's other pieces too. Those law departments tell us they feel much more comfortable about their ability to deal with complex regulatory problems. That's a big deal. That's, at the end of the day, the business of a law department is to deal with these very complex issues that are hitting every part of their business. If legal managed services, if working with multidisciplinary providers like the big four can help them accomplish that, I think that's a big win for them. And it could be also a big win for the law firms who ultimately partner with them to help deliver those services. I think you're right. I wrote a blog post this morning about the future model of the law firm. And one of the predictions I made is that law firms will collaborate much more with third parties describing in general what the three of you 
represent? You know, if you look at most professional services, alliances and partnerships is a mainstay, right? This is true in people advisory services. It's true in advisory work. Uh, it's true in almost every part of what professional services and the big four do. It should not surprise us that this is coming to law um, and it's coming quickly. Even in law, it's coming quickly. So, Luis, would you share with us some of the points that you made today at the panel? Well, my starting point, Ralph, was that uh, clients' needs uh, are changing. Um, today, what we see in legal departments, legal departments are, are uh, subject to a bigger um, pressure from, from their own organizations, and they are supposed to do much, much more than, than, than ever, especially in regulatory and compliance. And, and, and they are facing the challenge that the, 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 the second challenge they are facing is that uh, they should be doing this with uh, much for less. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 they don't have enough resources. So that's why we, they, they, their needs are, are changing. The fact that we are seeing the, 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 how many alternative legal services providers are, are emerging, the fact that the, the big four are entering into the market, it's just a response. Client needs solutions. Clients need uh, client need uh, a different uh, solution, and, and, and probably traditional law firms they are not paying in attention to in, in the change of the or, or the need. Right. So people will commonly say that the demand for legal service is flat or declining, and you're saying it's yeah, the opposite. Probably, of that. Yeah, probably in total. But uh, if, if you if you go into detail and, and see much of us, we are we are we are we are asking clients, what do you need? Uh, what's your main concern? And then you realize that uh, the responses are quite different from five years, ten years ago. Right. Okay. So uh, to your question, to Nick, yes, we can do better. Definitely. So, Definitely, so, but, but not because we are smarter, but because we do things in a different way. That's exactly our, our proposition. We want to provide legal services in a different way because we think with the, in that way we can respond better to, to clients' uh, needs. And, and we are not saying we are master or we are better lawyers, but uh, the thing that we can combine our legal expertise with our legal management consulting uh, expertise, with our legal manage, managed services practice, and with all that, we are able to, to respond in a, in, in a better way. So, so what does that look like for the client? So you could go out and hire this uh, law firm, a wonderful law firm, yeah. in every way, and, and yet hiring you would be a better experience for the client. Tell us what, what, in what ways that would be better. Yeah, think about the GDPR, uh, data privacy uh, regulations, especially in Europe in the last couple of years with the new directive. I want to think that clients prefer to deal with us because we have different capabilities. We are integrating people from different businesses in, in, in Deloitte uh, that can join us and, and can offer the client better solutions. Because it's not about being an expert in the data privacy regulations. It's about how these uh, data privacy regulations affect your own business. Uh, how, do you, uh, how, how, how can you change your internal procedures, your processes, how technology need to be amended to comply with the new regulations. That's something we can do it. And that's why I think most of, the, of that work came into, in, into us or in other new players like, like us, being action, EY, whoever, but different from traditional law firms. So, so how are, you, are you, your people different from the people in the law firms they otherwise would turn to? Well, the, the, the fact is that, 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 that they are lawyers, yeah, we, we hire lawyers, and, 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 but uh, we want them to think in a different way. 
First of all, they are part of a multidisciplinary firm. So they are in per permanent contact and they are uh, working together really, really close with people from consulting, from risk advisory, financial advisory, even audit. Uh, so that's changed the mindset. Uh, the second thing is about technology. Well, technology is uh, it's, it's available for, for everyone, not only for us, but also for law firms. If you go around the, 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 this magnificent, magnificent uh, event, uh, you, you have uh, many, many examples of technology available. I, I, haven't, I, have, I have read uh, Control Life Cycle Management probably 20 times in a short walk, okay? But this is not about that. The main challenge is about changing the mindset and convincing your own people that they, they should be providing legal services with uh, different technologies embedded in, in those services, which is m much more difficult than hiring the right technology solution or technology. We want them to work also with a global mindset. We have presence in many, many countries, more than 80 countries, so we need, we need them to think globally, not just locally. They are not part of just a, a small practice in a, in a small country or in a big country, but they are part of a great organization. So when you hire lawyers from private practice to come yeah. into your firm, yep. do you have to put them through a retraining program? Uh, I wouldn't say a retraining program. I think it's more about the onboarding program to, to, to allow them. First of all, we are a really complex organization, so we, they need to understand uh, really, really well where, where they are. They need to, to understand our culture. To me, culture and values are, are, are the, the most important thing. And no matter how good you are practicing law, but uh, you don't have the right culture, you don't have the right values. So that's also part of, of our onboarding program. And then, and then as finally, as part of that of, of onboarding program, they need to, uh, they need to change the, 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 the way they, they are working. That's the main issue. Because, again, it's about rendering legal services in a different way. I would just add, I think it's not just about onboarding or retraining. It's also about who you hire. I think um, the big four are very careful about who they hire. They hire people to, at Louise's point, that fit their culture. This is a slightly different kind of culture than what exists in, in I wouldn't say all law firms, but certainly some law firms. Um, and so we're going to be very careful that we pick people who can work in a multidisciplinary way, that can work with technology. Um, in the case of EY, we have thousands of onshore and uh, nearshore and offshore lawyers who are going to be partnering with our lawyers who are providing diligence support, who are providing employment law, et cetera, et cetera. And that's part of the model. Part of the model is being able to leverage different kinds of resources for different kinds of engagements, pairing legal advisory work with legal managed services work. That, it does take a specific kind of, kind of lawyer, and, and those are the kinds of people who, who we hire. So how is the lawyer that would be a fit for you, in the way that you just described, how is that lawyer different from the lawyer who'd be a successful fit for a very traditional law firm? I think, one, they're going to have to understand how to integrate into services beyond law. So that's, that's a big part of it. Uh, we do work constantly with our advisory partners, with our people advisory partners, with occasionally uh, our audit partners they may have to interact with. So that's a piece of it, being able to see beyond the world of law. Also, the business side. I think there is a understanding the business problem because in many cases we are looking at a holistic problem, not just a legal problem. You're going to have to be able to look past the, the legal issue sitting in front of your face to see it in a wider context. Many lawyers can do that. Some can't. And obviously, we're going to target you know, the people who can.
Carl, you have something to add on this issue? Well, I should probably start by differentiating a little bit between Axiom and the big four. While we, we play in a lot of similar spaces or do a lot of the similar things, it's not exactly the same. Right? Where Axiom's really focused is on talent. We are fundamentally an on-demand talent business, and what we want to be best in the world at is how do you become much more agile and data-driven in the way that you access and onboard and deploy and develop a bench of talent who you trust. And uh, we serve a couple different constituents. We serve the in-house counsel and we serve the lawyer. And on the in-house counsel side, the problem that we're trying to help them solve is really around, well, it's really about navigating three challenges, frankly. One is how do I get good performance in the face of growing and highly dynamic workflow? Second is how do I respond to requirements to actually demonstrate value? And third is how do I build a team for the future? And we do that by building a global network of about 2,300 lawyers and counting and letting the client tap into that on demand, whether that be an individual for a period of time or in the case of one technology company, 60 lawyers moving through your department where we're helping to manage your onboarding, your knowledge management, and just help you get more value and accelerate the speed with which you're actually bringing talent to market. Now, all of that as a backdrop, I think that to your question about, well, what is it that's different or unique about kind of the lawyers that you're, that you're bringing on board? Frankly, there's not that much different, actually, between uh, at least in our case, some of the top lawyers that we're wanting to bring on board and those that you might find at your firm, you know, for us, of those 2,300 lawyers, you know, the average amount of experience, or sorry, the median amount of experience is, is at least 15 years plus, although they range from new grads to former general counsel, former law firm partners. The skills that we really look for, while yes, practice area expertise is crucially important, it's the same thing that will be really important anywhere, which is do you have great client hands? Do you build trust? Can you integrate well into a customer's department or a client's department? Do you give actionable, pragmatic, consistent advice? I think what's different or what's changing over the past few years is lawyers who are increasingly coming to us and saying, you know, I, I, I'd like to build a new skill set. I'd like to talk about what it means to lead a team. Or I'd like to talk about what it means to actually be in the middle of a new technology deployment. Or I'd like to see what it means to actually kind of manage a function and try to get some kind of measurable performance out of that function. And to me, that change is really what's been probably more prevalent in terms of skill set development in the last several years, where a law company or the big four or others are really engineered to help clients think through legal operational problems. In that sense, this is an opportunity for a lawyer to go and build a skill set across leading functions through, this, through solving those types of problems. And I think probably increasingly one that if you want to become an in-house leader in the future will become a requirement. Well, thank you so much. This has been very interesting as a follow-up to your panel here at Legal Week. I think what, what you have shared with our listeners uh, is very valuable to them in lots of ways, including to law firms as they think about the new competitive reality, what the choices that the traditional corporate client that, that the law firms have served have today it's a different landscape than it was a while ago, and part of why it's, uh, it is as competitive as it is is what you've shared with us about the way you think about delivering service, selecting, training, developing people, the way you think about culture. The world has a different set of, al of alternatives. Thank you very much, and thank you, Gina, for moderating this panel. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yes, and thank you to our, our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate us on Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And for now, it's Ralph Baxter for Legal Talk Network on the road. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. 
or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.